and welcome to One Last Thought, doses of inspiration read by me, Ed Goodman. And tonight's reading comes from a very funny book written by a very funny man. It's 26.2 miles to happiness, a comedian's... Uh, excuse me. It's 26.2 miles to happiness, a comedian's tale of running, red wine and redemption read by Paul Tonkinson. And this is called November, five months before the marathon, a conversation with Richard. Well, it's a cry for help. Obviously, it's not rocket science. You were denied attention as a child. This is how you react. Nonsense. I enjoy it. Listen, it's a free country and I can't stop you. But please, for the love of God, spare us the never-ending Facebook updates on how your training's going. I may well sponsor you out of loyalty, but I'll be honest, I resent the emotional blackmail. What's more, I don't admire you. In fact, I feel pity more than anything. Or well, can I take this moment to thank you for your continuing support? My wife Raz, Rachel's, 50th, was limping towards a messy conclusion. The evening had been a roaring success. Speeches delivered and received with gusto. The dancing and joy had been unconfined in a rented disco floor and bar area full of best mates. We were the rave generation, in middle age, dusting down the old tunes, revisiting the old moves, loads of anarchic, sweaty, joyous fun. Problem was, we couldn't just leave it there. There wasn't an early lever among us. Why couldn't we just reach the end of an evening like normal people and go home at the end of the party? Truth is, our intense hedonistic habits were now ingrained, our definition of a good night forever skewered by the ridiculous and unrepeatable excesses of yesteryear. So when we got together now, oh so rarely, it was a mutual relapse. We didn't party with one eye on the future. We honoured the night, plundering her for all she was worth. After the lights went up and weary bouncers half our age shepherded us onto the street, urging us despairingly to go home, a whispering, lurching, conspiratorial throng formed. The idea of afters reared its ugly head. More importantly, the location. Inevitably, we locked arms and waltzed off back to ours. So I was lumbered. Time to strap in. Marathon training and parties don't go that harmoniously. The marathon was months away, but I'd been good. A few drinks only. If anything, this made it trickier. Despite the average age of the assembled being over 50, stimulants abound in various guises, the air buzzed with herbal remedies, a discreet proliferation of powders and tablets leading to an unnatural rigour in the conversation at such a late hour. Even so, energy was ebbing away as morning approached. This would need commitment. More powder would do the trick. Party fiends ransacked the kitchen for booze. It would be a long few hours watching this play out. There was no fighting it. The noise wouldn't let me sleep anyway, so I perched in the corner of the kitchen unobtrusively, slyly, placing saucers for ashtrays, providing glasses for confused partygoers as conversations circled and repeated. We'd been here many times, and although I wasn't fully signed up to a night of hedonistic abandon, I loved them all. God knows I'd been an eager participant back in the day. Over the years, patterns had been established. Exclamations of mutual affection would become more determined over the next few hours. 
this would merge into dancing. The local 24-hour-off licence would be visited, people who stopped smoking would start again, hands would once more be held aloft, anthems reclaimed. In time, some would fall silent, ease to the edge of the kitchen and hail Ubers. By the end, a hardcore of revellers, mostly women, but with the odd male intruder, would have chiselled themselves into the form of a deranged rugby scrum careering wildly round the middle of the kitchen to take that. Husbands would loiter at the periphery of the scrum, hoping to remove their wives from its embrace. But the scrum is resilient and would tighten further, providing mutual support to its members, pierced only by the odd glass of wine or trip to the toilet. The men would be awestruck at the stamina of the women in the scrum, the deep thirst for what they call up north a do. These were capable professional women, mothers all, as well as TV execs, psychotherapists, teachers, web designers. At some point, the scrum gathering, internal velocity and momentum, would veer out into the garden, smashing glasses in its wake before, like scrums eventually always do, collapsing in a mass of bodies. At this point, the husbands would saunter onto the field of play and grab their partner. Age would suddenly leap on tired frames, smothering any residual party ideas with the irresistible realisation, time to stop. Hedonism's wild, loud pulse had been chased for the last eight hours. Now, its opposite would be embraced. Rest and recuperation. Beds would hurriedly avail themselves, sofas nabbed. Party animals would transform in seconds to the meekest of kittens struggling with contact lenses. Cleansing rituals in instinctively performed, night creams administered and earplugs inserted. Then, mercifully, sleep. All that was yet to come. Before that, though, my old friend Richard had fixed on the marathon as a subject, gained purchase and was getting stuck in. You can't actually enjoy it. Don't say that. You don't, and I don't believe you, he announced. We were in the kitchen. At 2.25am, the hour of truth, he was sweating furiously, his nasal western supermare twang lancing through the Ministry of Sound House Classics compilation playing on the iPod, the primitive reds and blues of the lighting deck dancing up his forehead. Honestly, I do. I enjoy it. There's just something in it. It's an amazing day. So's bloody Alton Towers, but you haven't been there seven times. His hand quivered slightly as he quaffed the dregs of a fine claret that had been hiding in the corner. I was on the water by now, coming down the hill that he was still definitely cresting. A brief toilet trip five minutes previously had intensified his stake in the discussion. I reckoned if I could weather the next 15 minutes or so, he might just drop it, but for now, he had his teeth in it like a hound. Alton Towers was a good point, though. I'd done six marathons, this was my seventh. It was strange. Other distances exist, but the marathon kept dragging me back. There's something about the distance I offered. It's got a magic about it. You're right. Agonising blisters, muscle cramp, bleeding nipples. He lifted his glass emphatically to his lips. Great trick. Why did I keep doing marathons? What was it? People run for all sorts of reasons, of course. Lose weight, get fit, feel better mentally, show off, get a medal, make friends, raise money for charity... But you can't do that with a 10k, a half marathon. What's with the 26.2 miles? It's an extraordinary thing to do. As Richard pointed out, this would be my seventh. And I don't know why, but I wanted to get this one right. I wanted to fully understand it and experience it in a way I'd never done before. 
the whole thing felt very powerful. There are magical elements to it, I parried. The truth is, it changes you. Every marathon shifts the way you relate to the world slightly. It does if you end up limping to the tube wrapped in a bin bag. You're not getting it. The truth is, you haven't done one. How can you understand it? That stung him a bit. Friendships lead to shared history, which leads to knowledge that can be ever so slightly weaponized. I knew parts of him wanted to be fitter, though he had never, to my knowledge, run a step in his life. I'd only ever seen him change pace at zebra crossings. He's a very intelligent man, though, and no fool. His riposte came in measured tones. You're right, I haven't run a marathon. But I have actually done some research. I've talked to many a runner, lots of marathon runners. I've reached a chilling, undeniable conclusion. Oh, I'm sensing it's coming. It's coming. Do you want to hear my undeniable conclusion? But what if I deny it? You can't, he countered. Mock seriously. It's an undeniable conclusion. Which is... All marathon runners are depressed and running away from pain. Wow. The kitchen light seemed to shine a bit too bright at that point. This felt a tad confrontational. I was on the ropes. Not out, but stunned, certainly. That's ridiculous, is it? You're seriously suggesting all marathon runners are running away from pain? Yeah, that's what I'm seriously suggesting. He peered in, grotesquely close to my face. Every last one of them. And with that, he retreated stealthily to the middle of the kitchen in a surprisingly smooth version of Michael Jackson's moonwalk, twisted flamboyantly on his heels and was quickly swallowed by the scrum forming in the centre of the kitchen. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. (laughs) 